to the PM Mastery Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you master your project management skills by sharing tips, tricks, tools, and training to get you to the next level while sharing the stories of other project managers on their journey in project management. And now, here's your host, Walt Sparling. All right, welcome everybody to the current edition of PM Mastery. Today, I'm interviewing Jeff, Jeff Plumbly who has many titles. So I'm going to let Jeff tell us what those titles are in a minute. But for now, uh, tell us a little bit about you personally, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, Walt. Uh, thanks for having me. So I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I've got a, a wife who is a surgery resident and uh, works about 80 hours a week. And uh, I've got a two-year-old daughter and a cat named Murphy. And uh, in my spare time, I like to play pickleball and go crabbing. Pickleball. That's funny. I I never heard of pickleball until about eight months ago. And now it's like I'm hearing it all the time. I think it's the fastest growing sport in America. Yeah. It's, apparently it's big in Charlotte because uh, we have a lot of we have some peers up there. And some of those guys are like crazy into it. I, I'm not that good yet. I'll get there. Good deal. I have to look into that a little bit. I think they actually opened some pickleball courts around here. So tell us a little bit about what you do and the various titles that you have. Okay. So I work in a few different spaces. I am a senior program officer at a nonprofit. My role there is to support faculty who are teaching collegiate innovators. They're generally working on sustainability-related projects. And uh, the stuff that I do there, though, is to primarily support. We have a large annual conference. Uh, so I play a support role for that. And then I serve as a project manager for a lot of different faculty training initiatives. And then all of our faculty grants, we give out $30,000 grants to faculty. And I run all of that programming as well. Um, I'm also a senior program manager at Movila. That's a project management software company. And most of what I do there is really around building a network, a community of, of, of people that are interested in project management. So I host a podcast. I have a monthly community of practice, which is focused on kind of bridging theory and practice in project management. Uh, and then I also have some other project management consulting work that I, I just kind of do on the side. Good deal. And we met because I actually saw a like on LinkedIn that you had done, and I saw that you had a podcast, and I checked out your podcast, and I said, well, I got to get this guy on mine. So here we are. Now, you, you're doing a lot of stuff in a lot of different spaces. you got your, your two roles. You've got your uh, side gig, as you had mentioned. Why do you do all this? What drives you? So I've got a few different passions, and I try to just dabble in each of those. Um, my... My background is really actually in sustainable development. So I did my dissertation looking at the relationship between sustainability and resilience in residential construction. Uh, I've got a, a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in civil engineering. So really, that's where my background comes from, is, is understanding the project management side of things from more of an infrastructure side. Um, along the way, in my educational route, I started working on projects in rural Haiti. And, and so I actually built a, a what's a, a still running program at Clemson University uh, back. Uh, I started that in 2009 and we were working on water systems in, in rural Haiti. And um, that was what made me really fall in love with project management and, and just kind of seeing 
you know, these students were working on projects, but what were they developing along the way in terms of their own professional skills? You know, so that's kind of my why is, is the passion is really around sustainability. And then the project management side of things, I taught project management at the Citadel for a number of years, both to undergrads and graduate students. And, and so my inspiration for working at Movala is really seeing the, the kind of disparity between what happens in a classroom and what happens actually in the field. And, and there's a big difference between, uh, you know, the, the theory and the practice. And, you know, I kind of, as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's what I like to think of is, is really the podcast that, that I run with Movala is seeing what happens when people get punched in the mouth, right? Like everybody reacts a little bit differently and you can't take what happens in a textbook and necessarily apply it directly into uh, what happens in, in the real world. So, that's where it's fun to get to dive into those experiences with people um, and also just building that network within our regional community. Uh, the community of practice is a lot of fun. And, and the idea behind our community of practice is it, it's a lot like it sounds, right? We, we have this group of, of, of people that are project managers. Some of them are new project managers. Some of them are very experienced project managers. But we all come together once a month. We meet we talk about what's going on. We talk about what people's problems are, what challenges they're facing. And the cool part about it is it's it's a very participant-driven agenda. So two weeks ahead of our next meeting, we'll ask them like, you know, hey, what are the topics that you want to talk about this week? And they'll send us back responses. And uh, as part of that, we help the, you know, we help them prioritize what's, you know, what's most important for you. How pressing is this issue? And we'll you know, help come up with the list that we need to be talking about that month. Um, but it's fun to see exactly what everybody's working on and, and how, you know, even though they're coming from really different fields, they've got the same problems that they're facing and their solutions may be different, but their solutions may be translatable to the other fields that the other people are working in. Yeah. And that's the interesting about uh, project management is it's in every industry in some form. And to your point with, you know, the standards that are out there like PMI, you know, tons of data, tons of great stuff, but you can go through the training, get the certification. And in fact, the test isn't even based on their book. It's separate. And you have to actually learn how to take the test versus just read the book. And then you get out in the real world, and it's like, well, wait, that's not what I learned. Well, yeah, it's it's not how it works out here. Yeah, it's, I like to say that the the PMP is is about compliance, not necessarily competence. I, I feel like it's a little too easy to game the experience requirements there. You know, having a PMP after your name doesn't necessarily mean that you're a great project manager, but it does mean that you're able to understand the processes that everybody else understands and and can kind of speak that language, but. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the exam is is a little different than uh, you're basically studying for the exam, not necessarily studying to be a great project manager. Right. And the knowledge in the in the book itself is very good, although the processes they have don't definitely don't always align with outside. Some companies try to align with the the PMI standard and have the the phases and, and processes align. But some of them are just over the top. It's like you can you can thin that out by probably 40% and run a project just as successfully. 
Yeah. I mean, as PMI says, like you can tailor it to projects, but it's also difficult for a green project manager to understand what to tailor, right? Like how much do you include? Do you do a full quantitative risk analysis on a small project? Probably not. It's probably a waste of time, but uh, without knowing that from having previous experience, how do you know how to tailor it? Right? Yeah. Experience is key. I, I, I'm kind of an advocate for if you're going to go for the PMP, you've got to have experience. Mm-hmm. That's how it's written. It's You're supposed to do that. But some people will, they're really good at studying, and they take that chance that when they turn in the application that they won't be audited. Right. And if they're not audited, they can go and they can take the test. And they're like, hey, I'm a PMP. Well, like, yeah, but I wouldn't hire you. Hey, <laughs> right. you started off by breaking the ethical thing that you <laughs> signed when you, uh, when you took the exam. Yeah. Uh, and you have no experience. The thing with experience is uh, you're you're constantly learning, and uh, that's what gives you the experience. So how is it that you continue to learn and stay on top of things? I learn every week from my podcast. I feel like this is I have to go in and research every guest I have and understand kind of what they're bringing to the table, what their unique experiences are. And and then when I actually get into the interview with them, I've got an hour to dig into this person's background and really understand what makes them tick and also what makes them succeed in project management. So that's my biggest way. But as you mentioned, I'm pretty active on on LinkedIn. And so one of the things that's really been really helpful for me over the past, uh, well, so five weeks ago, I said that I was going to be posting every weekday for 10 weeks. And I'm five weeks in now. I'm I'm at the halfway point. And and really coming up with topics and, and reflecting on my project experience has been incredibly useful for me. So just drafting those posts, I've done a lot of reflection and learning about myself, learning about the projects that I've participated in. I'll look at other people's posts and and kind of compare how my experiences look uh, versus theirs. So I think a lot of it is really based around what I'm just doing right now. I've also taken you know a, a fair number of of just courses off of the internet. Uh, I noticed a couple of weeks ago you had Joseph Phillips on. I'm I'm a big advocate for his his Udemy courses, and and we'll uh, throw those out there every to every chance I get because I love those. Um, yeah, so courses here and there, but a lot of it's just in what I do day to day. Awesome, yeah. Joe Joe's a good guy. I I like him. I kind of stumbled on him when I was taking uh, actually doing my PMP. All right, so challenges. So you, you've, uh, I would say that challenge you just put on yourself with the daily posting, that is, that's amazing. And if you can keep that up, will be the next thing. Yeah, it's it's been tough at times, but I've actually been surprised at how easy it's been to come up with topics. You know, like I mentioned, just inspirations from other people. Uh, today, I was dropping my daughter off at daycare and was just thinking about, you know, how many similarities there are between raising a kid and being a project manager. And so I decided to post about that, pull together a post about it. And that was today's post. So a lot of it is just the day to day. What's what's happening in my life. And, um, you know, speaking of of other kind of challenges I'm, I'm having in my roles, it, those are other things that I post about. Um, one of the big things that I, that I face is uh, and that I see really everywhere is is using tools to replace process issues. I think that our go-to is to find a tool to you know, supposedly fix our problem without necessarily uncovering what the actual issue is. So 
For instance, if you feel like your projects and programs are disorganized, the go-to is to find a tool for organizing them. We don't necessarily think about what are the actual problems here. The starting point should really be to understand what our internal processes that are driving us to do this are. Are they making us more organized or are they contributing to the mess? Then once we get all of that sorted out, then it's time to find a tool to fit the process, not the other way around. And so that's what I've experienced, but also what I've seen with, with a lot of other organizations is just that it, it tends to be we, we try to find a tool rather than fixing the actual uh, meat of the problem. Good observation. Yeah. And there are so many, so many tools out there and every one of them is like, hey, we, we, got, we got the perfect fix for you. Yeah. And, and some of them at- do like some of them, are, you know, like you figure out your problem and they do have the perfect fix for it, but you got to figure out your problems first. And the thing is you have multiple problems and one tool doesn't always do it. So now you have multiple tools and then you're, well, how do I, how do I find the tool that has both of these things in it? Right. And what I've found in uh, one of the next questions is going to be about favorite tools is that the people that I've had on here, a lot of them migrate to the same common stuff. So we'll see what what you have, but they all use the same tools in some fashion that it, it's almost universal. Yeah. So, yeah. So you want me to go ahead and jump into tools? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I actually, when, when I taught project management, I taught planning and scheduling. And so the go-to there we use was Microsoft Project, uh, just because it's, you know, it's one of the most common tools out there. Um, it, it's clunky at times. It's not the perfect tool. Um, you know, now I am. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna admit I'm biased towards Movila because I do work with them. Um, but I really do like some of the kind of features that they have. The, at the core, it's still the same basic functionality to other project management tools, except for what I like is that it's very accessible to uh, to users who are green who you know, may not necessarily know what the problems are in their schedule when they create one. You know, Microsoft Project will have that little exclamation point over to the side to show you that something's wrong. And it'll tell you at a high level, like, you know, you, you screwed this up, but it won't necessarily go into detail as to how to fix it. Uh, so that's one of the things I really do like about Movila is that it does show you, you this is how to fix this problem. Here's a suggested fix. Uh, is this right? And, and then, you know, even from there, it takes your schedule and takes those potential issues and actually gives you a risk risk score based on that. Um, and, and there's some other automation fe- features that are built in around resource allocation. So you can uh, marry it up with your, your Google Calendar, or your Outlook calendars, and understand who's available when, who's over or under capacity, and how to balance those workloads. Um, and then I really like their dashboard functionality. Um, as far as other tools, you know, of course, Slack for communication. Uh, I use Zoom uh, way more than I would really like to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I work uh, pretty much exclusively remotely, so I'm on Zoom for you know four to eight hours a day, depending on the day. And uh, mm. yeah, so those are those are kind of my my big tools right now. Okay, how do those we- align with other folks? Um. Zoom is a common, and I would say probably more uh, prolific is the Teams. Okay, yeah. Especially in the larger corporations, they tend to uh, standardize around Microsoft products. So you have Teams, you have Microsoft 365, you have SharePoint, 
And uh, I think that's that's the majority of the tools that people use. OneNote is is very popular. Excel just because of its diversity, it can do anything. Uh, see, I'm a I'm a Google guy. I, I've gotten on the bandwagon, and I use instead of OneNote, I use Google Keep. Uh, I use Google Tasks. I use uh, you know Google Calendar, Google Sheets, uh, Google Docs, all that stuff. Um, for me, I like the way it's organized better than the Microsoft products, but uh, I definitely understand for those that are kind of dictated by by corporate policy, right? Like it's easier to stay on one platform. Oh, absolutely. And I use both. I use Microsoft Office for work. And I've now I use it for my personal for PM Mastery just because of the calendaring and stuff I'm used to better. I use Gmail. I have a personal Gmail. But the one tool that I love other than I do like the calendar is keep. I use keep all the time. And uh, I find myself taking stuff from keep and putting it on one note, but I started always started out in, in keep. All right. So tools, challenges, before we get to the fun one, uh, wanted to uh, talk a little bit and I, you've, you've talked a little bit about your podcast. So what I'd like you to do is share the name, kind of give a little bit of uh, history of it. And I'll, of course, I'll include include that in the show notes. Just just kind of give the users up some other options. It's always good to have options. Yeah, yeah. So the pro the the podcast is called This Project Life, and we've been running for I don't know four or five six months now. It's it's hard for me to even remember at this point. Uh, it seems like forever, but also it seems like five seconds at the same time. And and so really, the idea is we bring on a guest each week who is uh, either a consultant or a senior level project manager or a program manager or runs a PMO, you know, a variety of different topics or fields related around project management. And, and we ask them, you know, a series of questions about their experience and, you know, what goes well for them, what doesn't go well, what similar to what you asked, like what tools do, do you use? Um, and really just try to unpack what their success looks like and, and really what their field looks like, how that compares to other fields uh, and just give people some flavor of of different project management experiences out there. Um, and, and so a lot of that stems from, as I mentioned, you know, just the disparity between the classroom and actual practice. And and so this gives a, a little bit of of an, uh, an eye into that world of of practice. And uh, hopefully those that are are listening can understand a little bit more of of what's going on behind the scenes in uh, different people's lives. No, that's great. And I uh, I know we chatted a little bit about this earlier, but when I saw your podcast, I started listening to some of the episodes and there was a couple of really good ones that I enjoyed. The Community of Practice was one. I caught one of the episodes. I, I saw there was a few of them out there. The other one, I ended up buying like half the guy's books. <laughs> uh, that day I was actually on my morning walk and I was listening and I'm like, wow, this, this guy's got some good stuff. And I love the books are short and sweet. And a lot of it is like, I've done all this, but the reinforcement, some of it like reinforces ideas that I have that not everybody always agrees with. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one, you know, there's other people out there that see that the same way. And I am actually, I, I might even try to reach out to see if I can get them on here as well. Um, but I will, Put some links in there to some of my favorite episodes from yours, just uh, below your uh, your general podcast link. 
Awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. It, it, you know, one of the great things about running a podcast is is access to people, right? Like people are willing to talk to you if you have a podcast. And it was kind of surprising to me when I first started is, you know, we're able to get some some really cool people on these shows. And you know, we've had people from Cisco, from Microsoft. We've had uh, one of the project managers for the new World, World Trade Center building on like it's some really cool people with fascinating stories. And, you know, I, I don't know that they'd be that willing to open up if it weren't on a podcast. Right. So maybe that's the beauty of this thing is is really just access to uh, a variety of different people with awesome experience and, and expertise. Well, and one thing I've always heard is that, you know, people, their favorite subject is themselves. So it gives them an opportunity to to share with a bigger audience uh, their ideas and and who they are. So I think there's there's definitely a plus to that. I have found, as we talked about earlier, that sometimes it's hard to get people on because they either get nervous or or they just I'm just too busy. I can't, I can't do it. I'm actually going to release an episode. It's just going to be an outtake from a pre interview where three of us were just talking before the actual interview started to kind of give an idea of how casual it is. And I always start out with like 10 minutes. We just BS back and forth and talk and kind of get comfortable with each other before we actually start the interview. So I'm hoping to get some more people. I've had some book authors reach out, which was cool. We just did one recently on Enneagrams. And I have another one that's kind of in the works. Uh, And it's a guy who did a bunch of work for the FBI. Uh, looking forward to that one actually surfacing. The fun stuff. Did you know? You got a did you know for us today? Oh, so so my did you know was was actually not not the most exciting. You know, you and I both have a background in in construction related uh, projects, and so Charleston has the largest cable stayed bridge in uh, I believe North America. So um, yeah, that's that's my did you know? Um, not the, necessarily the funnest fact for most people, but for you and me who are kind of nerds in the construction industry, pretty fun for us. That's cool. And I think the uh, Skyway here is a cable, uh, cable state bridge. I believe you're correct. Yeah. So I can't imagine how big this one is. Yeah, it's a pretty I'll good size one. Out. Yeah, I'll- I was actually driving over it the other day uh, during. Uh, I think they were tropical storm force winds at that point, and they were. Uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of swaying a little bit in my car. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, we just went through it. Obviously, we talked about it. Went fortunately, it moved south of us, and uh, it messed up. It messed up some uh, areas really bad. Yeah. So it was. I think it was almost. It's kind of been Florida's time, at least over here on the west coast, because usually we don't get much, and it. it Teases us and then it goes straight up and just destroys the Louisiana and Panhandle areas. Yeah, this has been fun. It's good to get to know you. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get you on here again in the future and uh, maybe share some similar guests as well. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Well, all right, guys. We'll see you on the next episode of PM Mastery. Thanks for listening to the PM Mastery podcast at www.pm-mastery.com. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast player. Until next time, keep working on your craft.